dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thank you, everyone, for joining us here for another edition of Blunt Business. Here on CannabisRadio.com, presented by USCCExpo.com, which you'll learn about a little bit later on. This week, we're very happy to have a rock star in the cannabis space. And I mean, I don't take that phrase lightly. I'm not even going to go through the entire plethora of what this guest has done. Let's just cut to the chase. I'm joined by Colorado cannabis entrepreneur and industry industry advocate Dan Anglin, the CEO and co-founder of Can America Brands. Dan, thanks for joining us here on Blunt Business. Thank you for having me. Hey, our pleasure. Really do appreciate it. And I'm, I'm surprised we didn't have you on sooner, but we're glad to have you now. Now, Can America Brands announced on Valentine's Day its new licensing agreement and brand partnership with Flower One the largest cannabis cultivation greenhouse in Nevada to expand its production footprint. In the press release that came out, it stated that, quote, Flower One's $400,000 square foot greenhouse is capable of producing, get this, producing 140,000 pounds of flour is the best opportunity for Can America to expand its operations in preparation for FDA regulations and federal legalization of cannabis in the U.S., Talk to me about what brought upon this agreement and partnership. Yeah, that's a very good question. So uh, we've been in uh, Nevada since uh, August. Um, you know, our gummy uh, lines are distributed throughout the state of Nevada. And I think that the opportunity with Flower One, number one, we're a publicly traded company. We're on the CSE as uh, C-A-N-A, that's the Canadian Securities Exchange. And then Mm -hmm. on the OTC in the United States, we're CNNXF. Well, Flower One is also uh, on the CSE and the OTC. And um, so that kind of relationship just really made sense to have, uh, you know, the two companies with this kind of infrastructure and capital and resources working together. But once I saw their facility, um, you know, 400,000 square feet of, of space for cultivation is an astounding amount of space. And the number of plants that uh, this space will harvest annually is 168,000 plants. My cultivation in Boulder uh, you know, from 2015 to 2017, I think we probably uh, harvested about 18,000 plants total. And we were able to service the market here in Colorado. So, you know, their intent to really break into the Nevada marketplace with high quality flour and numerous products, we're not the only brand that they are licensing, um, you know, was just very I guess an exciting opportunity. But then when I saw the processing facility is going to be 55,000 square feet, I, I really at that point knew that this was the right marriage for us. I mean, back in 2009, uh, my first company that I was uh, ownership of, uh, I wasn't the founder, the founding uh, partner brought me on after he, he uh, opened it at a pier. Um, you know, we were in roughly 1,200 square feet, uh, maybe 800 square feet of that was actually kitchen. 
And we were servicing the entire state of Colorado on the medical side out of that 800 square feet. And, you know, once recreational started, we were just the biggest and only primary cannabis gummy manufacturer at the time. Now there's so many of us you can't even count in Colorado, but uh, that opportunity to go from, let's just call it a thousand square feet to 55,000 square feet for processing, extraction, um, manufacturing, product development. I mean, there are a lot of products, but Can America has been in development, but we just haven't had the space. And now with this partner in Nevada, uh, Flower One, with the um, approach that they're taking, they'll be bringing virtually every type of extraction uh, that exists currently. And of course, looking to develop some more uh, interesting um, extraction methods. But just that kind of space really allows Can America to um, experiment with automation um, for manufacturing. We use metered dosing. So uh, our dosing is precise and, you know, the laboratories uh, have a 15% variance um, in their testing regime. And we're really looking to be down less than 5% in our variances for our dosing. And so I'll tell you, can, it's amazing the impact that you have, that just the what you're going to be able to do with so much space. Uh, it kind of reminds you, just it really reminds you of exactly what the cannabis companies to our north, which I know you also, Can America Brands, obviously has a good footprint in there as well. And what these Canadian cannabis companies have been doing with large-scale expansion of facilities and staff, but for many of them, it's to support a global expansion to Europe, Asia, Africa, and Australia. I feel like I've been saying it every week here on Blunt Business, but we've talked to many of these companies, and some of those company executives I've interviewed have not stated American expansion was necessarily a priority right now. So I'm going to ask you about your own overseas expansion in a little bit, but why is it the right move right now? for these cannabis manufacturers looking to survive to invest on future changes to FDA regulations regulations and federal legalization of cannabis in America when we don't have any kind of timetable when those events will happen? Well, I think the Farm Bill creating the opportunity for hemp-based products to be legal and interstate um, has really caused everyone to recognize that they need to figure out how they can get food and beauty and pet care products um, under the scope of good manufacturing practices and FDA regulations. 10 minutes after the president signed the farm bill, the director of the FDA released a statement that, um, you know, they weren't sure if CBD food, beverage, and beauty products were safe, and so that they would be considered prohibited for interstate mm-hmm. commerce, meaning you can't ship them across state lines. Now, they've been working very hard ever since that statement came out to figure out a way to allow product lines that have been um, in, let's call it the pipeline, and in the marketplace for many years to continue to do so, because basically with that one statement, a lot of companies' current models and current lines were, let's let's call it halted um, until lawyers could figure it out. So where we're at now is, um, you know, the attorneys and the regulations and advocates um, are all attempting to convince the FDA 
um, to allow for a labeling restriction, meaning um, no health claims um, and a few other types of uh, regulatory allowances to put the CBD-based food, beverage, and beauty products back into the interstate commerce because without it being in the interstate commerce, it's exactly like the THC side, which is you can only distribute within the geographical confines of the state that has said it's legal. And so that question, I think, will be answered very soon, probably before the end of this congressional session. And for cannabis companies, what this is is a clear sign that this is coming into THC when the federal government legalizes cannabis. We got numerous bills, Senator. Well, actually, but let me do, I'm going to want to jump right into that. Forgive me for this because I really want to talk about that. I just saw that in the news uh, today. So let me first of all, let's get perspective and why you're so uh, such a sound person to talk about policy here. So sure. according to the website, the company website says you've been involved with drafting cannabis policy in Colorado. You're a driving force in the United States, dynamic and robust cannabis industry. You were ever present at the Colorado Capitol, state capital, as the adult use amendment 64 was implemented. You serve on rulemaking working groups for the Colorado Marijuana Enforcement Division. You founded the Colorado Cannabis Chamber of Commerce. Now, Leafly reported this, what you were just about to get to. I wanted to go ahead and give that into perspective and give some context. So they're reporting that a newly updated cannabis legalization bill introduced by 2020 Democratic presidential candidate and New Jersey Senator Cory Booker says, which now has also the support of his fellow leading 2020 Democratic presidential candidates. It's named the Marijuana Justice Act. This bill would not only remove cannabis from the Federal Controlled Substances Act, which I know you're referring to, it would also take active steps to address past cannabis convictions and encourage racial equity in cannabis enforcement. So obviously, I just jumped in right before you mentioned about that bill, but what have you heard about it? And more importantly, do you feel like this bill would lead toward answering many of the industry's concerns. Well, yes. Yeah. So, so thanks for giving my background. How I got into cannabis is uh, I was a lobbyist in the state of Colorado on business issues for 10 years prior to getting into the cannabis industry. And, and before being a lobbyist, I was a bill drafter uh, in the state of Arizona's uh, legislature in the Senate. And then uh, I also worked in legislative council at the Colorado General Assembly. That's the legislature here, too. So um, my, my experience with um, the, these types of uh, legislative actions is, is strictly state, not U.S. federal government. So I just want to make sure everybody is aware of that. However, Senator Booker has introduced this in 2017, and it didn't gain any traction. Senator Cory Gardner from Colorado, a Republican, has introduced banking reform in the past, and it didn't get any traction. Um, so my hope with all of the presidential candidates of the Democratic Party now saying that they support the legalization of um, cannabis as a recreational product and you know the pres the current sitting president who will likely be uh, the person they're all running against has also said that he supports medical cannabis yes. and is interested in you know learning more about how to regulate recreational cannabis i think what's happening is politicians understand that the american public is tired of this being a crime and yes. they're also tired of not being prevented from having those choices in medicine and they're also tired of adults not having that 
you know, choice in their life and, and, and really making it a crime. What I like about Senator Booker's bill is the descheduling from the Controlled Substances Act. Yes. There has been so much discussion about rescheduling it so that testing could be done and, um, you know, research and clinical, uh, all of these different things. And that sounds great, but at the end of the day, Schedule 2 could actually put all of the industry out of business across the nation because a Schedule 2 drug must be, um, you know, distributed by a pharmacist. And unfortunately for the cannabis industry, we are not licensed pharmacists. So I I think it puts the industry at risk for that kind of conversation. And the better conversation is descheduling. I think the Senator Brooker's, you know, intent is to right the wrongs of uh, a justice system that has been um, criminalizing activity that should have never been a crime in the first place. But truly for me, the decriminalization means we may not be looking at a giant federal agency being created to regulate cannabis, which I think would probably create disruption. Um, It's typical that that's what the federal government wants to do. Um, is create a new agency. I mean, every state that is legalized created a new agency. So, you know, those rulemaking groups that you were talking about, I sat on in Colorado, I sat through many of them, hours and hours and hours of committee. And and that's for the, at the time, newly created Marijuana Enforcement Division, uh, which is part of the Department of Revenue at the state of Colorado. And I think that for states that have been doing this for a while, states that are making implementation after passing bills last year, states that are passing bills now, one of the things that could really put a uh, uh, kind of an interruption into states that have created this is for the federal government to create something new. You know, I've always said, regulate it like alcohol. We do not need, um, you know, additional levels of, of bureaucracy on top of things that already exist. I'll tell you, when it comes to just the governing bodies, the the amount of governing bodies we're dealing with right now, with the amount of regulation that goes on top of it, because the other thing too, with all these governing (laughs) bodies, there's not one single, you know, uh, consistent level regulation. We've been hearing about that and we've talked about on the show as well. The other thing I got to say too is to see these presidential candidates and to see someone like Senator Booker go above and beyond what some Democratic candidates or just some bipartisan, just government officials have said anything about, you know, on the Democratic side, I always heard someone like Senator Chuck Schumer of New York would say decriminalization was the place to go, but that will be the extent of where things go. But now we're seeing regulation in the passage of the Farm Bill, in the passage of criminal justice reform. Those things are pushing the way to an eventual legalization. And I think what's going to happen is there's going to be, it's already a majority of states are already offering medical marijuana. It's a matter of time. I think the one thing that's really pushing people back, obviously corporate America is ready to jump in. Everybody's ready to go ahead and have it. But I think there's still this moral, you know, maybe there's a moral majority that's still out there that's still trying to push propaganda, the stigma that is among this space. And that's something that's going to be a constant fight. But, you know, it's whoever gets into the ears. And if, you know, I don't like it to be this way, but 
if, you know, Democratic candidates want to be able to all endorse the idea of legalizing cannabis, if it's for the good of the industry and it will create something because they just feel like they need to do something to appeal to a voter base, then by God, do it. Okay. I'd rather at least get it somehow. If that's the way it has to be, at least it gets done. That's what I feel like it comes out with. You know, I I know that that's the um, kind of impatient um, approach of we got to get something done. But at the same time, you know, you can't unwind things in government very easy once they put things into place. Listen, in food, we already have uh, local health departments and state health departments and federal health departments that have standards for these things. So when I talk about good manufacturing practices for the FDA, this this is really what I'm talking about. Hold cannabis food manufacturers, beverage manufacturers, et cetera, doesn't matter whether it's a topical or whether it's flour, hold us to the same same exact standards as anybody else in the food industry. Don't create new standards just because it's a different ingredient. And that's the way that the state of Colorado has really done it, the way the state of Washington has done it, the way the state of Nevada has done it. The only additional requirements on top of that is to prove potencies or homogeneities or pesticides or any of these other types of tests. That is good for consumer safety. That is good for consumer confidence. Adding the FDA and the EPA into some of these things will also bring legitimacy into the industry, but some new U.S. marijuana department of whatever is just going to create more costs, more time. And I think that, you know, you were talking about a moral majority. I don't believe they're the majority anymore. I I think they are um, really kind of screaming into an echo chamber, and that echo chamber is getting smaller and smaller. People don't believe it anymore. We've had recreational cannabis in Colorado and Washington for five years. And I can't tell you how many reporters I've sat down with who are like, wow, it's business as usual. Five years later, I really can't tell. It's not like the whole town is walking around stoned. And right. Exactly. All of these these anecdotal, rhetorical, scary scenarios that they come up with, none of them are true. Uh, traffic fatalities are down. Incidences are down. DUIDs are down. Right. Uh, what we do have an impact on as a cannabis industry is the alcohol industry, especially beer. Um, And of course, I think the opioid industry is also scared of us. And and those two industries are right to be scared of us because I think Americans want alternatives to what they've had for decades. And they want to be able to consume these products and they don't want to go to jail or risk their freedoms or be stigmatized for it. And no, I don't think society stigmatizes them for that anymore. So I'm so late for a break, but I'll tell you, I wish I had more time. I wish I had more questions for you on the policy end because we could go on for hours about this. I really yeah. think <laughs> so much. So real quick, we're going to come back with more questions for Dan Anglin, the CEO and co-founder of Can America Brands. We'll do a little uh, rapid fire on some questions about uh, European expansion and some other things going on within your company. But first, I got to tell you about the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo for 2019. Why you should sponsor is a chance for you as an industry leader to engage with an audience of thousands from all around the cannabis industry that will be joining us in Miami, August 3rd and 4th, that will listen and engage to what you're doing. So join us for our returning conference series, August 3rd and 4th, invest in your future, leave a lasting impression on thousands of attendees. Visit usccexpo.com slash sponsorship. 
hyphen information. Talk to the team at USCC Expo and see what's the best option for you. Again, August 3rd and 4th inside the Hyatt Regency downtown Miami. Early bird passes still available before May 1st. Get them at a half price discount of the regular registration price. Go to usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. We'll be back with more after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are kicking off in Seattle, Portland, Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, and Phoenix in January. Register today using the promo code CANNABISRADIO20. All spelled in caps as one word, Cannabis Radio 20, to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities are available. Register today at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the second annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 2nd and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for another can't-miss event. Sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Learn more at usccexpo.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Dan Anglin, the CEO and co-founder of Can America Brands here on Cannabis Radio and Blunt Business. And what a great talk about uh, policy, I'll tell you. That was really great stuff. But I want to go ahead and move along now. we got to talk more about Can America Brands, what you're doing over there. So now, Can American Brands has also signed a licensing agreement with Winchester MD Limited for the manufacture and distribution of your brands in Europe. Now, the company in general, let's talk, let's go ahead and inflate the company's ego. Doing well with over $6 billion in sales last year, selling since the company's inception 14 million cannabis infused gummies. That's a whole lot of them. <laughs> so, yeah. Talk to me about the following the same advice we mentioned about in the break before about how Can America has found itself into the European green rush. Well, you know, CBD products have been available in Europe for many years now. And as the European Union and the United Nations and other large governmental bodies are forced to look at hemp-based products as well as cannabis-based products, but hemp-based first, um, there is absolutely a enormous market globally for CBD-based products. I think mm-hmm. um, you know you've seen Martha Stewart uh, get into a deal with Canopy Growth for uh, CBD products. I mean, these are everybody's taking notice around the world. Europe has a very large desire to have CBD confections. 
Uh, currently, they really don't have a lot of uh, choices. Um, it's it's like the early days of cannabis, where it's you know a few products and mostly uh, the, the mainstay of a flower, CBD flower, is actually very popular in Europe. And so the thought of bringing a company that has experience creating gummies and confections and concentrates and vaporizers and multiple types of products into the European market was very attractive for a number of companies. We um, signed an LOI with Winchester MD, uh, originally intending to be in the United Kingdom. And Mm -hmm. since that was signed, the United Kingdom has made some Uh, indications that they too, just like the FDA, may need to look at food-based CBD products. They call them novelty foods. So there's been a number of different decisions that have come out, a number of different opinions, and it appears we're going to focus on Europe. And right now we've got our set site on Spain and Belgium and a couple of other Uh, locations for manufacturing and distributing and what we'll be doing with our partners at Winchester MD is providing them with equipment and providing them with ingredients and providing them with all of the standard operating procedures as well as our marketing program and we'll be um, you know creating new brands for the European marketplace and and we'll also be creating new brands for the global marketplace I think you're going to see many, many, many brands emerge. You'll see more of this celebrity endorsement. You'll see more athletes get into uh, CBD products for like post-workout. One of our focuses is pet care products. I think that around the world, people love their dogs and cats. And as they get older, they need, you know, some sort of inflammatory control or pain relief they get arthritis they start moving slower i've experienced it with my dog provided it with my dog before he passed away and it really you know helped increase his quality of life right. i think that the pet care business pet food pet care is a multi-billion dollar business globally uh, probably a multi-billion dollar business just here in North America. So, you know, we're very excited about the opportunities and and we're, we're really focused on trying to create a footprint for the brand and for the company in as many places as we can that make sense, that allow for distribution to as many markets and that allow for us to get into as many verticals as consumers want. Now, let me go and uh, make mention too, uh, I would love to get continue more about the pet CBD issue, but for those of you that are looking a little more context as well, of course, being with Cannabis Radio, let me also direct some of you to our Concierge for Better Living program. Most recently, we did a program on CBD for pets. Very good discussion there if you want to go also hear about that. But uh, I want to mention more about the European expansion for Can America brands in general. There was a glowing review of this by Business Financial. They said this about the expansion for Can America brands. Quote, expansion into Europe is a milestone achievement that paves the way for the company to strengthen its revenue streams. In addition, the formation of a joint venture for cannabis extracts is another development that paves the way for the company to strengthen its revenue streams in pursuit of shareholder value. Do you see that same that the same way? I do. So, you know, our concept here is to uh, part of that deal that we announced in January is an extraction facility that's capable of doing 50,000 kilograms per month of raw material into oils and will likely continue to look for other opportunities too, just based as the 
consumer demand is so high, right? It's high now and it continues to get high as the public is made aware of what CBD is and what, you know, uh, cannabinoids can do for you, whether it's CBG, whether it's CBD, whether it's THC, A's, V's, et cetera. I think the public is really starting to learn that, you know, what has been stigmatized as some kind of hippie thing is really honestly, um, you know, the product that they've been searching for, for many different avenues. And, and that's what I was going to say earlier is, is what we're doing in the CBD space is really expanding our product profile and our menu and our R and D and our science, because every day we, hear new concepts and every day we have new ideas of, you know, what does this product do when you add this nutraceutical to it and, you know, something, uh, Aragon oil, you know, and all of the different types of oils that are available in concert with, you know, uh, cannabinoids, what, what can they possibly bring to the public, whether it's human consumption, pet consumption, who knows what's next? And I think that's what's important for companies to focus on as they look towards the future is how can we control our supply chain to be able to make products that can reach a global audience. And so it's very important to us to not only you know have that extraction, have that distribution, but continue to look at other opportunities in the hemp-based model, as well as expand our licensing in the THC side for further reach state by state until the federal government says yes. I mean, I think as the federal government here in the United States starts to focus on legalization of cannabis, what you'll see is you'll see less racing to new states for licensing and people who want to monetize the licenses that they have, whether they're in Colorado, California, Washington, wherever, on how they can then transport finished products from the state that they make them to, to states for distribution to consumers. And let me, uh, I'm a little short on time. Let me go ahead and move on to one of the few other things I want to ask you about before we wrap things up. Now, Dan, uh, you're a former Marine veteran and you served in operations, desert storm and desert shield. Thank you for your service as always. So grateful. Semper Fi. Uh, Now, a, a recent pot network article wrote a story that in the title said that you quote, want a piece of the hemp and CBD market as a Marine. You also want veterans to have access to cannabis too. Amen. Let me ask you about this with two questions. First, can America has entered into a binding letter of intent with two other companies to form a joint venture to acquire hemp for CBD extraction. Now, regarding the passage of the Farm Bill, you said, quote, there's a lot of things to fix, and the hemp fix in the Farm Bill, while it's not perfect, is a good first step. What other steps do you think could be taken to make it much more feasible? Um, What we were talking about earlier for um, determining how quickly and effectively to make food beverage products Mm -hmm. interstate commerce because they were, you know, excluded from that by the director of the FDA. So that's really the first step. Uh, Second step is how to get um, these companies that are currently operated up to speed with all of those types of regulatory guidelines for food and consumer safety, right? Um, As well as the oil itself and how to establish for the federal government on what needs to be done to establish a safe 
uh, raw material and a safe oil. I think more importantly, we really need to educate uh, local and state law enforcement on the difference between hemp and cannabis. I, I continue to see stories about people who are getting pulled over with truckloads of hemp and arrested. Yeah. And, and it's, an, it's, it's a legal product. And, yeah. um, you know, I mean, the, the, you can't tell the difference by looking at it. So I guess I have some empathy <laughs> there for law enforcement officers, but there's paperwork that comes with it. Yeah. So, you know, let's get let's get up to speed on our local law enforcement um, agencies on what is allowable. And, uh, you know, they're supposed to understand the law. And so let's help them understand these laws as quickly as possible. And the best way to do that is from the United States federal government. So um, and and again, let's just go ahead and legalize cannabis. Right. I'll tell you what <laughs> I will say. Uh, state of Minnesota, we talked to a company here in Blunt Business about uh, they're wanting to really create hemp to become a real cash crop like it was back in the 40s and 50s many years ago. And that's the same idea is that, you know, they're doing such a good job in terms of like journalists and, and people and within so many different uh, events that are hold, being held in the area about having people understand, distinguish hemp from cannabis. And not only that describe and explain what hemp is in order to get that you know take away that whole misinformation or the blocking that maybe you know law enforcement officials will know better than to pull somebody over when they don't know what what that everything is legal about it and like you said avoid necessary paperwork second let me ask you about this too now you cited a slew of issues when it comes to obstacles from using cannabis to securing VA loans to upholding your right to bear arms via the Second Amendment. Now, if the U.S. federal government were able to re- deregulate some of these issues right now before we get to eventual legalization, what would you tell policymakers? You're in front of Congress, you're in front of a committee, what would you tell them face-to-face today? Well, they, every one of them says that veterans are a group that they value and want to protect. Right. And unfortunately, the veterans that are in states where medical or recreational or both are legal are are really prohibited from participating in that and making those decisions, whether it's participating in the business or whether it's growing plants at home, if that's allowable, or whether it's consumption, because they put their VA benefits at risk. I was denied my VA mortgage benefit, which I earned, and that's I think what people need to remember about veterans benefits, you earn those, they're not granted to you, you earn those by serving in an armed forces of the United States. So the fact that they can deny benefits for what they consider to be drug abuse, misconduct, whatever, is a travesty. And, um, you know, I bought three houses in my life since I got out of the Marine Corps in 1992 Mm -hmm. with my VA home loan, very established, history of utilizing my benefit and I was denied because I'm in the cannabis industry. Now that's, that's one little thing, but if I had a prosthetic or if I had a medical need and I was, you know, using cannabis, I could literally lose my VA health benefit. And when it comes to prosthetics, the science of prosthetics really makes huge advancements by working with veterans and people who need prosthetics because they've lost a limb. Um, have pain and they have inflammation and um, you know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide and uh, opioids are part of that problem. It's not the entirety of that problem, but they, they add to that problem. And if we could, you know, hurry up and allow at least 
in the states that veterans live where the state has determined that it's a constitutional right for them to have access to cannabis, if we could at least allow those veterans to keep their benefits if they choose to use cannabis as medicine or as an adult use product, then that would give some parity to everybody else that's allowed to do this and not lose their social security benefits or not lose their retirement benefits, right? Yeah. I mean, these are, these are a, a separate section of earned benefits that only a select group of people earn, and yet they're being denied because of their use of a plant. I go back to, let's just legalize cannabis, and all of these conversations and comp- complications are out the window. Amen. I agree with you 100 uh, percent. For most part, you know, I know that the government, we've been hearing a lot of stories about opioid addiction and things that are being done to kind of to curb all of that. But then again, when that goes away, veterans need to have something else, the proper, more organic, more much more efficient alternative, I would think, than opioids, which are, we already see the dangers behind it. So. We need yeah. that, and we obviously, the veterans, you know, from so many different things we've been hearing about, just we have to give better care. And obviously, you know, we're going to see more, I mean, more soldiers are going to be coming back. You know, we're not, so, we're not so much in wartime. We're having more soldiers are going to be returning. What are they going to have to deal with when it comes to prosthetics or uh, medication? Or what do they need to do to come back and be able to go ahead and, you know, come back into society and live happy, healthy lives? We need that to happen for them. Absolutely. I got final questions for Dan Anglin with Can American Brands. We're going to come back with that uh, right after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Oh, Lady Marijuana Lama, tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, Pink, that's the point. Download and play while you like yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with final questions with Dan England, CEO and co-founder of Can America Brands. 
Uh, well, this this is no no-brainer. You recently made the High Times list of the 100 most influential people in cannabis. <laughs> Congratulations. So talk to me about what you think about getting this appreciation from industry peers and it's an ad, how you feel if it's an added perk to what you do. Well, you know, I've never been one to uh, apply for awards, so I'm right. not sure who who submitted my name, but uh, I, I have been a fan of High Times since I was a yeah. teenager. And um, I think that, you know, being recognized for my part of the industry of, uh, you know, advocacy and and operations and manufacturing and retail and cultivation, I'm very appreciative of it. And I look forward to meeting the other 99 and learning more about what they do. And honestly, I've been involved in a lot of businesses in my life. And my favorite part about cannabis is, you know, meeting my colleagues and, and talking to other people who, you know, are brave enough to put their freedom on the line for something that they believe in. And so I'm honored uh, by the uh, nomination and uh, I really look forward to the event just for no other reason than to hang out with the, the good folks at High Times and, and other people who are doing, you know, even better things than we've been doing for the last nine years. And I hope here on Blunt Business, we've taken a good 30 minutes of your time that we really value all of our listeners for doing to show you and demonstrate how much of an influential person Dan Anglin is, because you are. I mean, seriously, thank you so much for all your contributions. You are a pillar to this industry, and we're glad that you're here, here going forward, and you're doing a lot of great work especially with Can America Brands. Please take a few seconds to talk to our listeners about how they can learn more and what they should be looking forward to. Well, thank you, George. Um, I have two websites, uh, canamericabrands.com. That is our basically our investor page where you can learn more about the company and um, how you can uh, find us on the CSE and the OTC. Um, and then our product page, which highlights all the different products that we sell in multiple states, which is Can America Co. So C A N N A M E R I C O uh, M A R I C A C O. Right. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah. Dot com. It's, it's Can America Co. And we did that because uh, we're from Colorado. So there you go. Uh, you know, we'll never forget our roots here in Colorado. And as excited as we are to branch into other states, um, you know, we're just, uh, we're proud of starting here where licenses were issued first. And I really appreciate you and your listeners' time. And um, basically, if you just Google my name and cannabis, you'll, you'll find out a lot of things. <laughs> I didn't have enough time. <laughs> I was like, seriously, no, no time. I just tried to get what I could get just for just for 30 minutes, but I should have booked an hour or two, but I know that would be more time than you could probably offer because you're a busy person, but I really do appreciate you making time for us. Hey, I really appreciate you making time for me and, and thank you for having me on your show and uh, I hope your listeners uh, enjoyed hearing it today. Well, we look forward to having you back on in the very near future. And for those of you... Uh, Thank you again for joining us here on Blunt Business. Now, before I go and get out of here, I got to talk about our sponsor. You should be, I'm talking about you, listener, right? I'm going to go right through your headphones and talk to you. You should be among the thousands of entrepreneurs, innovators, and consumers to convene at the Global Cannabis, Cannabis Industries Premier Business Event, the 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. It's coming August 3rd and 4th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Never too late to get your early bird passes. Go right now before May 1st. You can also reserve your booth or sponsorship. There's still time for that now. 
Learn all about it at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Thanks again for joining us. You can download past episodes of Blunt Business by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.